Welcome to the 78th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Nancy Goldstone, author of The Maid and the Queen, The Secret History of Joan of Arc. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Nancy Goldstone, the author of the new book, The Maid and the Queen, The Secret History of Joan of Arc. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Sure. Well, first, can I get you to read the first three or four paragraphs of The Maid and the Queen? Sure. Um, This is the introduction. The town of Blois on the banks of the Loire, 25 miles southwest of Orléans, April 1429. The narrow streets of this small provincial city, ordinarily quiet, were suddenly crowded with traffic. Wagons piled high with foodstuffs and other provisions jostled for space with lordly knights on horseback and commoners laden with sheaves of grain. Cattle, sheep, and other livestock, some tethered to carts, others herded into hastily erected pens, spilled into the surrounding fields, filling town and countryside alike with the clamor of their bleats and bellows. Within the city's walls, an army was massing, the last stragglers of foot soldiers and crossbowmen trickling in to join the convoy of supplies while they awaited their orders. The Kingdom of France, as represented by the Dauphin, the heir to the throne, had been invaded by England. The Dauphin's position was extremely precarious. Over the last few years, the French army had sustained a series of losses so devastating that the English now held most of the northwest portion of the realm, including the all-important capital city, Paris. The Dauphin's forces, by contrast, had been pushed back and were primarily concentrated on the territory south of the Loire. Perpetually on the defensive, the French troops, from the commanders down to the lowest common soldiers, were exhausted and demoralized. An aura of hopelessness had settled over the Dauphin's court like a black robe of mourning. Determined to seize the advantage and shatter what was left of their opponent's spirit, the English had sent home for reinforcements and raised a supplementary army that they used to launch a powerful new offensive. The attack struck at the very heart of the Dauphin's support and terrain, the walled city of Orléans. To lose Orléans meant that England would finally pierce the barrier of the Loire, allowing its soldiers to penetrate deeply into the southern countryside that served as a buffer zone between the French royal court and the front line. To lose Orléans meant that there would be nothing and no one to stop the English from surrounding the Dauphin and his government and precipitating their surrender or capture. To lose Orléans meant the almost certain defeat of France. Great. Well, if the listeners haven't heard about your new book yet, can you give them a sense of what The Maid and the Queen, The Secret History of Joan of Arc is all about? And I should add that this is a nonfiction work. This is not a novel. Well, this is the story of Joan of Arc. This is the 600th anniversary of the birth of Joan of Arc. And we still have such a mystery surrounding her story. How did a peasant girl get in to see the king? What sign did she show him to get him to follow her advice? How did she relieve the siege of Orleans? All of these questions are are still surrounding her. And my book actually answers those questions because I was researching not Joan, but uh, the Dauphin's mother-in-law, Yolande of Aragon, Queen of Sicily. And until you understand Yolande's life, you can't understand Joan. 
So that's how I came to this book. This is a book about what, um, how it answers the questions about Joan of Arc by going into the life of another woman entirely. Interesting. Well, well, I'm sure that most people have have read about or heard about Joan of Arc, as I'm sure you had before writing the book. What surprised you most in your research? What surprised me most, honestly, is how obvious it is that um, that uh, Yolande's role in Joan's story and and how just looking at her at her life answers all these other questions. Because women in history, especially in medieval history, have tended to be ignored by historians. And when that happens, you lose half the story. And history just makes a lot more sense when you put the women back in. So I'm just very surprised that this hasn't been found out in, before me, <laughs> honestly. And, and, and uh, I'm curious, I mean, when you're writing a book of, of this type, I mean, it, it, it must be a daunting task at, at the beginning in terms of research. What was that process like for you? Well, it, actually, it was um, I was researching Yolande because I've done other books on Yolande was Queen of Sicily and Countess of Provence. And I had already done a book a couple of years ago called Four Queens about the four daughters of the count, 13th century, um, daughters of the Count of Provence who all became queens, one of whom was... Queen of Sicily and Countess of Provence. And then I, my book after that was about the 14th century Queen of Sicily, Countess of Provence. And so naturally I was kind of curious what happened in the 15th century to my little Queens of Sicily, <laughs> Countesses of Provence. And I came to Yolan and I started to investigate her life. And <laughs> um, what's one of my little pet theories that it actually mattered how much you were educated as a woman in the Middle Ages, that it might have correlated to your later success in life. So I always go back to um, my queen's childhood. And sometimes I go back into her mother's childhood. And I was that was exactly what I did when I was researching her mother's background when I realized that here was the story of here was the genesis of the story of Joan of Arc. So for me it was just normal. Uh, normally investigating the bi- a biography, and that's how I stumbled on this. That's great. Well, I know that you wrote three memoirs with your husband about the world of rare and antiquarian books, and, and I'm sure you're aware that these days you can't pick up a newspaper or glance at a news site online without reading a story about the, the rise of e-books. Given your background in book collecting and antiquarian books, are you surprised at all at, at how quickly ebooks have gained traction? Actually, you know, I'm not because it's it, we're going through a very similar experience to what happened with Gutenberg with the invention <laughs> of the printing press. We've already done this once before. Um, books were big, heavy, a lot um, volumes that the monks painstakingly or the scribes painstakingly wrote in and then comes Gutenberg with the printing press and suddenly you can have a thousand copies of something and the world changed as a result of that and books and and books were the old big books which people clung to as much as people are clinging today to their hardcovers um, you know eventually fell to the wayside and I think that's what's probably going to happen mostly here there, there seems to be a whole revolution going on 
where the where the information is coming at you in a different form, which makes me very sad because I'm a book person, of course. <laughs> but I'm sure that it was the same, you know, when they moved from tablets to papyrus, <laughs> the the people who are used to carving things into little stone tablets were upset when somebody said, well, here, let's use a scroll instead. Sure. It's more or less the same thing. Have, have you made the shift yourself? Do you read some e-books or...? I don't because I'm on a screen so much, and I, I really am a, a book person. Also, all the books I want to read have footnotes in the back, and <laughs> it's a lot easier to use a regular hardcover. I don't think hardcovers are going to go away. I think they're going to get more valuable, but I don't think they're going to go away. Oh, no, I, 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 I totally agree. And uh, um, I'm curious again about the, the research process that went into The Maid and the Queen, um, I mean, w how many books did you read in the process of, of, of researching uh, this new book? Oh, I read, the, what's interesting about uh, The Maid and the Queen is how much of the, first of all, this is the first uh, biography of Yolande of Aragon in English. All this, most of the sources are, were in French. Most of them, a lot of them are translated here for the first time into English. And I really, I, I researched just about I love doing research. That's what I do. And I, I read many old books. I read many, many primary sources. Uh, and it all just, if you do that, if you, if you actually go to the, back to the French sources, mm -hmm. you, then, it's, then the story becomes very clear. And that's, I, that's why I was so thrilled to write this book, to have all these new, <clears throat> this new information coming out. I think that was so much fun. That's great. That's great. Well, I know that you also co-wrote a book with your husband, Deconstructing Penguins, Parents, Kids, and the Bond of Reading. And, and it's something that you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about this issue in terms of reading and, and kids reading. Outside of the usual advice for parents to read to their kids, what, what other insight would, would you have for, for fostering a love for reading and, and books, and especially in a generation now that has you know, a multitude of digital distractions? Oh, they do. It's very hard in this generation, I'm sure, for a parent. I think that the, the one thing that, we, that both my husband and I um, believed in that came out of our book groups was that it actually matters what your child reads. It, it, it's how, if you were actually, if they're going to do better in school later, you want them to read books that have ideas in them, that have language in them, and that most children are, are, would like, like this, and they want someone to discuss the books with. And that was really nice that came out of our, out of our book groups. There are, there are, most people say, oh, it doesn't matter or a lot of teachers told us, it doesn't matter as long as they're reading whatever they're reading. <laughs> but it actually does matter because they like because ideas are very powerful and they appeal to children as well. And you need a book that has ideas and issues and language. Otherwise, they're just going to end up learning language and a vocabulary list and at, instead of seeing how those words work in a sentence and seeing the emotions and the colors that can come from real, using real language. Right. Well, with your experience in writing narrative nonfiction and the books that you've written, including your new book, um, what advice would you offer writers, especially writers who are interested in, 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 in writing his, uh, history or, or narrative nonfiction? 
Well, I, it's, it's always hard. I, I, I like books myself where it hasn't been done over and over again. I love Elizabeth I, like everyone else, but I think I feel like I know her, and there's so many other women in history who I would prefer to um, I would prefer to read about. And I think it's a huge open field if you happen to be interested in in history, is to look at it from a different perspective. We all of my books, even those I did with my husband looked at didn't look at history from the point of view of the people who are in power but from the people from people you wouldn't think about uh, either and one of the books was about from a scientist's point of view and these are from women's point the ones I write now are from women's point of view and you really get a much greater perspective and they tell a fabulous story there are so many fabulous stories out there that haven't been told yet that I wish I hope more people come into the field so we can we can all learn them that that's great. So, do you already have in mind, or are you already starting work on on your next book? And is it possible for you to talk about it? I am. I've started work on a new book. I've moved into the next century. I kind of moved thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. And I'm in the sixteenth, um, and it's a book about uh, Marguerite Valois, who's I don't know if you ever saw the movie Queen Margot. She it's a French film. She's the daughter of Catherine de Medici. It's about a it's a mother daughter situation and. Her life was also just amazing and so dramatic and so much fun. I look for books where I can have fun researching them and writing them, and hopefully people will have fun reading them. So this is a great fun story. <laughs> that, that's great. Well, we've discussed your love of books and reading, and, and I know it's probably a difficult question to, to answer with a limited amount of time, but, but what books and writers are you passionate about? And I'm curious if you've had a chance given all of the research that you've done, um, what have you read um, in the last year or two that, that you particularly love that, that may be new? Oh, that's a hard question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because I do do so much reading for my research that I don't get to read very many new books. But we'll start with the writers I really love. I really love Dickens, Charles Dickens. I love... Um, uh, I, I, it's, it's a cliche to say it, but I do love Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love Balzac. I'm, I'm really in that whole <laughs> 19th century uh, kind of situation. Sure. But recently, the book that I read that I can so highly recommend is Behind the Beautiful Forevers by Catherine Boo. That was just an amazing work. Uh, and she's... It's about India. It's totally out of my, out of what I usually read, but that was really something special. So I hope people will read it from that. Great, great. Well, um, where can people find you online? I'm at nancygoldstone.com, and uh, please come visit my website and see all, because I have these beautiful, beautiful illustrations from the period up. Um, Joan of Arc and Yolande and all the characters from the book, all the real people, and they're from they're they are illustrations from the period, from the manuscript art, and they are so gorgeous. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I was going to ask, um, given your your interest in in reading and some of the books that you've written, have you had a chance to, or have you heard about, or had a chance to read this book that I think was published? Um, I think about three months ago, called The Reading Promise, My Father and the Books We Shared. 
No, I haven't. I haven't read that one or heard about it. Oh, you you, you should check it out. I, I actually have it. I haven't read it yet, um, but it's gotten a lot of um, great press. It was written by a woman who's in college and her father, and they basically had a pact where I think, if I'm not mistaken, from the age that she was nine until she graduated from high school, that they read together every night um, and didn't miss a night. Oh, isn't uh, that great? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, people who are bibliophiles and love reading have been raving about it. So, Oh, I'll uh, go look it up. Thank you. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, um, again, we've been speaking with Nancy Goldstone, the author of The Maid and the Queen, The Secret History of Joan of Arc. Uh, the book is available in bookstores now, and you should definitely check it out. Nancy, thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.